0: Hey everybody, thanks for joining us on the Wide Blue Line. I am Brian. And I'm Tom. And we're just two ordinary citizens who are tired of listening to the polarized narratives being offered about policing in America. So we decided it was time to get the
1: real story of what it's like to serve and protect. We see the news stories, we hear the sound bites, but few of us know what it's really like to serve behind the badge. Welcome to the Wide Blue Line, a podcast where we tell the real-life stories of the men and women of the Central Point Police Department as they strive to serve and protect their community and remain open, transparent, and inclusive in an ever-changing world.
0: Have you ever watched a show or a a movie, any kind of Hollywood production, that you thought actually did a pretty accurate job of what it's like to be be a police officer? Yeah, diehard. What are some of the things that you guys as a department have done, are doing, have talked about doing, to like build bridges between opposing groups in our community. Uh, You know, if you can solve
2: an issue without having to arrest somebody, without having to write a citation,
1: uh, not only is that good for everybody, it's good for the community. Welcome back to another episode of the Wide Blue Line. This is Tom. This is Brian. And we're here with Detective Abbott. So hello, Josh. Hey, how's it going? And uh, we thought it would be a really good idea to start addressing some of the Funny, strange, odd, challenging narratives around what police are, who they are, how they feel. Um, I think we've decided as a culture a long time ago who the cops are. We, sure. for some reason, we let Hollywood. We let Hollywood tell <laughs> That's us a big one. What yeah. you guys do, how you feel right. about things, and it, obviously, it's an unfair way to to be. But um, we thought we'd go right to you. the horse's mouth in this sure. case. Sure. And, but we're going to start with some more fun questions. Yeah. And work our way toward the more serious ones. And we really appreciate you being here, uh, being willing to be vulnerable yeah, and represent the PD here. So without further ado, I mean, the best way to do it is probably just jump in, right? Yeah, let's okay. do it. All right. This is uh, the number one question I had growing up. <laughs> all right? And just so everyone knows we vetted these questions through the PD and they said yes to all of them. <laughs> so here's question number one. Is it true that cops love donuts and why does that stereotype exist, Josh? Sure. Uh,
2: Well, in the words of Jim Gaffigan, uh, yes, everyone loves donuts. (laughs) (laughs) Well played, sir. Hey. Uh, That's one of my favorite stand-ups of his is when when he he broaches that topic. And of course, I'm a little biased. But yeah, I I think the exact quote was, um, of course, cops love donuts uh, because everybody loves donuts. (laughs) The only people who don't are people that are sitting in jail. So (laughs) Um, and he delivers it much better than I do. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. no, I mean, it, of course, uh, I, I like. I personally love donuts. There's just as many people here that love them as probably don't care for them all that much, like <laughs> mm-hmm. they find anywhere. Um,
0: it is a weird stereotype. How did that become a thing? So I, I did a
2: little bit of research in oh, it. Oh, cool. Yeah, so, okay, so like the challenge coins, going back to World War I. All right. <laughs> wow. Apparently the <laughs> Salvation Army... It was, it was a cheap, easy snack to give to service members when they were going overseas or when they while they were overseas. Um, and so pastries, including donuts, were um, were made by the dozen. You know, they were exactly. being passed out like yes. crazy to service members. So that's kind of where that whole stereotype of service members liking donuts.
1: So it started with um, military.
2: You started military, okay. yeah. And um, it, as far as like where did it make that jump to become part, part of cop culture is not quite – you can't find a, a direct answer to that. Um, one of Some of the theories are that uh, oftentimes donut shops would start early, you know, time to make the donuts. That makes sense. Um, and police officers are open, you know, they're working 24-7. So sometimes those donut parking lots would be a nice place to, to go work on your reports or whatever. And then they would start bringing out donuts to the cops and like, Hey, we like kind of having these guys hanging out here. So here's some (laughs) donuts. Yeah. So I think that's probably from what I can find is kind of where that started. Um, I'll say anecdotally, I've seen firefighters eat more donuts than cops. (laughs) uh. When I worked <laughs> when I worked night shift, uh seven eleven would have pucks donuts here in oh, Central Point man. and that, the fire guys were always in there getting donuts. Well, so, pucks. Yeah, yeah they are so pucks, <laughs> yeah. They, they are yeah. so good. Yeah.
1: That's funny. Well, thanks for doing some research on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I yeah. yeah. could have just said yes or no, but I actually right, think right. that you did even, it a even better. Even better. Even better. Well, I, I have one and this is like legit.
0: Like I, as as a kid, I thought this has to be the greatest benefit right. of being an officer. Um to so like do, do you guys ever just like, you're getting like, I'm done with this traffic. I'm done with sitting here and like, just turn on your lights, turn on your sirens and like, Drive faster traffic and skip things? I mean, it seems like you could do it and get away with it. I don't know. Uh, Probably
2: only to get Puck's Donuts. Uh, (laughs) No, we don't. For for the fire department. (laughs) For the fire department, yeah. No, we don't. Uh, You know, Occasionally, it'll look like that. And it's it's always kind of embarrassing. I've had a number of times where I'll be dispatched to a call that comes out initially as being an emergency um, that requires a a code response, which is where we turn on lights or sirens. only to start to head that way. And either enough officers have already arrived or it's lowered. It's no longer considered an emergency. And now all of a sudden you just (laughs) ran through a red light legally um, to get there. And almost immediately you're called off the emergency and it's like, Oh crud, now I've got (laughs) to, I'm going to look like an idiot here. You inch up to the next light <laughs> right, and wave at everybody. Right. At so I'll sometimes pull off into a neighborhood or something <laughs> right. you know, and then shut off my lights. But no, we, we don't. It's it's against policy. If it was found out that officers were doing that, it, it could be I would bad. imagine. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. Oh.
0: So. I won't tell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right.
2: <laughs> Again, well, aside from the... Uh, occasional donut emergency
0: right yeah. clearly
1: yeah sort of a parallel question to that then you know you don't want to abuse your privileges as, as a police officer but i've definitely heard this growing up it, that a police officer doesn't pull over another police officer for like for a basic traffic violation right so if you see a buddy who's uh, off duty but you know he's a cop and he runs a stop sign or whatever and you're on duty that you wouldn't pull him over because you know he's a police officer mm-hmm. is that true that that sort of I won't pull you over because we do the same job thing exists.
2: Yeah. A lot of people refer to something like that as professional courtesy. Um, you know, that's a little bit of a harder question to answer as far as it's not as clear cut. Um, traffic is very much based on discretion. Um, officers will, I mean, plenty of officers will pull over anybody and then give them a warning rather than a ticket, right. even though they could. Mm-hmm. Um, so discretion is a big part of that duty. Um, and there's, there's, no traffic um, violations that are a shall site, you know, they're, they're could or, or may cite. So an officer will- Oh,
1: I didn't, I, really? Yeah, yeah, there's I none no that idea. require
2: hmm. us to do that. Um, oh, okay. Now everybody will have their own thresholds, of course, and make up their own mind. We're often told that before you even approach the vehicle at, or as you're approaching the vehicle, already have made up your mind if you're gonna cite this person or not. And kind of a tenant that a lot of us go with i know that i would when i would work um, traffic would be um no one's going to talk themselves into a ticket but certainly could talk themselves out of a ticket depending on you know a classic example is why were you speeding tonight oh i have my pregnant wife next to me sure. at right. the hospital right. and that's ha- that's happened to me <laughs> so um or you know some other medical emergency um so those kind of things can have you know obviously happen to anybody it doesn't have to be an officer or not now uh you know will you see a patrol vehicle pull over another patrol vehicle it does happen really um, it's very very rare I so would on duty police pulling over I've, I've heard of it i've never seen it i've never oh, done it okay. um now we do have policies that allow us to do certain traffic w- which would be violations for other people that aren't for us For so example if i'm going to a call even without my lights and sirens i'm allowed to go over a certain speed cap which is depending on the scenario 20 miles per hour over even without my lights and sirens going for certain that has to meet certain criteria so you know you you always kind of want to play it safe if you see like a sheriff deputy going through town speeding they're probably going to something gotcha and now if you could make that case and you know for sure that that's not happening you know reckless driving is reckless driving i don't care who you are right um, but typically another officer is going to have a reason for that and as far as like an off-duty officer um you know, i think that kind of goes back to that discretion you know i i've been fortunate myself to never really be in a situation where i've ever pulled over another officer I, I have but where that they were doing something that was so egregious that they needed to be cited it would be something where it never matched my threshold for anybody it wouldn't matter if it was a, a stranger or somebody i knew perfect um you know one of the questions you'll get asked a lot of times in interviews for police officers you know if, if your mom was speeding? <laughs> would you give her a ticket? And I hope you don't answer yes to that, because <laughs> you know? you're gonna look like, sure. yeah, unless your mom's, you know, maybe not. You're not the biggest fan of your mom, and maybe you have a good reason <laughs> <Right>? to be. <laughs> but, but that comes back to the whole idea of discretion. We do have discretion in the job, um, but yeah, you, if you're somebody who's very much a stickler for traffic, and you're citing everybody, and, and then all of a sudden you're pulling over other officers for doing something that you cite everybody else for. That could be a problem, and hopefully somebody's going to be picking up on that pretty quick. But it's rare. Hmm. Yeah, and, and most officers don't really want to get pulled over on their days off, so I, I'm hoping that they're a little right. better drivers <laughs> than maybe <Right>. some. <laughs> yeah.
1: Is that akin to getting called into the office when you're off work? I mean, because in a sense, now you're you're connected to your job if you get pulled over and you're off duty. <laughs> right. So it's yeah. probably, other than the citation, it's probably just super annoying.
2: Yeah, so if you get pulled over by another agent or something, you're supposed to report it. Um, if you get cited, obviously report it. Um, and if those are behaviors that are done enough, that becomes a problem. Then yeah, you're going to have to have some big yeah. conversations with the boss because your ability to drive—I have to have a driver's license to do my job. Yeah, yeah There's, yeah, there's, there's no assume. exception. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. So um, horse and buggy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So getting pulled over is not a fun thing for uh, an off-duty officer. Mm. Yeah. You
0: know? That makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like. We we joked at the beginning, like what well, we know, everything we know about cops is from Hollywood. Sure, but it's kind of not a joke. I mean, like it. If you've never, if you don't have a family member or a friend that is an officer, yeah. I mean, it, your stories and your your baseline comes from somewhere. So I mean, guys about our age, mm-hmm. probably everything we thought we knew about police were Paunch and John, right? right, For, right. Or or, or, or yeah. Hill, Street B- Hill Street Blues, Blues right? right? Then maybe someone a little bit younger it might be Denzel Washington you know mm-hmm. training day or you know whatever all these police movies mm-hmm. but so all joking aside have you ever watched a show or a, a movie any kind of hollywood production that you thought actually did a pretty accurate job of what it's like to be like to be a police officer yeah die hard <laughs> <laughs> no. i
2: knew it yeah and actually in some ways that's not too far I, I, what i like about Die Hard is you got a guy who's a regular dude for right. in this situation <laughs> he's not a he, he's not a superhero he wasn't your typical 80s macho guy <laughs> right. like he was kind of just a normal normal yeah. guy um but uh, no not really um most movies uh, you know tv shows they'll they they might have like bits and pieces that are, or somewhat accurate, but as an overall, no. And if they did, it wouldn't be that interesting. Right. right. I, I think the office is probably a better representation of what. It, <laughs> right. you <know>. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. That's Just a, some of the goofiness. And that makes me smile. <laughs> right. Really big. <laughs> right. Right. Very interesting. No, I think okay. uh, most people are surprised uh, when they go on a ride along, for example, that it's actually a lot of joking and, and having fun behind the scenes. Now, of course, uh, you know, situations and, and dealing with the public and when there's, a crime or something occurring, it's taken very seriously. It's professional. Um, but you know, we're human just like everybody else. So what gets you through your night more than anything else is usually humor. Right. Of course. <laughs> you know, that right? makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so it, it's actually pretty, um, you know uh, it's more of a fun environment and a lot of times what i feel in hollywood specifically uh you know shows like law and order is everybody's so stoic all the time True, like yeah. always so True, there's not a lot of sense of humor right in those, there's right. none and cops are some of the funniest guys i've ever met and and again i go i've said it before in one of the other podcasts like you, you're going to a party with police officers you that's the guy you hang out with they're right. gonna have some hilarious stories you know um but yeah so uh i you know, I don't know. I
0: not not really. Um, but I would imagine it's probably like there's an element of truth in there's it. There's some element, but of then truth, they yeah. they they inflate it to get right. you know to 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 bring up the excitement level of yeah. the movie, or yeah. it's like your most intense escalated moments, right? Are you know one every 100 yeah. days but they just show it that's it's, right. that's what it is every time you're right. on every yeah. day's training yeah, right. day is exactly. right
2: exactly yeah you know today if, if somebody were to make a, a documentary or a movie based on my day to day they'd be me typing on the computer for, <laughs> <Right>. for 10 <laughs> hours <laughs> Hence so, the office yeah yeah <laughs> um, with some jokes in between in the break room um, you know yeah the, the those those small isolated events are far more interesting. And, and sometimes some of that stress and stuff is somewhat translatable And scene. Of course, we don't have a, a
1: cool soundtrack or something right. behind yeah, us. Right. Yeah. Um, are you but, allowed to listen to music when you're, when you're driving if, yeah. if you're not on a call?
2: Yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, You want to keep it down to a level where you still hear the radio, of course. Um so yeah, night shift. I, I actually I would get bored of music sometimes because it would be so much so I'd start listening to podcasts or mm-hmm. uh books on tape, you know, well audio books. Right. Yeah. I still call them books, on <laughs> books on tape. Right. <all> that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um but yeah, so yeah, you can listen to music, you listen to radio, and that helps keep you sane in those boring nights where nothing's happening. But uh, you never know. That 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 is the one cool thing about this job is um you will have, you know, 90% is boring that nobody would ever want to watch a movie about or t- TV show. And then there's that 10%, or maybe even like 5%, where it's really cool and exciting. Right. And that's the stuff that gets put on there. Right. But, um Yeah. You know, some of the things that they show you get the, the, the kind of anti hero. Well, anti hero might be the wrong choice of words, but you kind of have the the rebel cop, the renegade cop, this stuff doesn't happen. You know, you would lose your job immediately if (laughs) if I pulled half the stuff Murtaugh and Riggs did. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, maybe cops.
0: Right. uh, Right. I assume that was the case, but I mean, everything has an element of truth. Sure. You know, Mm -hmm. it gets inflated and and things of that nature. And I think that's actually the boring side of your job is kind of, what's fascinating to me like that. We yeah, don't see that. We don't, right. we don't know that. And it's like, no, it's, it's not just always running and gunning and you yeah. No, it's, it's, we have, it's, it's work. Yeah. It's a job.
2: Yeah. I actually, a, a fun podcast might be like taking popular TV shows and movies and like dissecting how ridiculous <laughs> they are. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just, totally. Sorry, I'm on a tangent, but <laughs> like law and order, I always pick on that one cause my wife used to watch it. It drove me crazy. I hated it. They go in to interview somebody. And the person would still be working while the detectives are trying to talk to them. You know, they go to the warehouse right. and the guy's right. like, I'm too busy to talk to you. I'm like, <laughs> but you can follow me around the, the car shop. Yeah. No, that doesn't happen. No, that's not no. how this is working. No, that's not how it's going <laughs> right. to work. Yeah.
0: That's awesome.
2: So, yeah. I it. <laughs> There's a lot of cop movies. Die Hard's one of my favorites. Okay, well, uh, but it's not real. And it is a
0: Christmas movie. <laughs> we're no argue yes, is it large. is a Christmas movie. Okay, thank movie. you. Thank yes. you, Josh.
1: Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's the end of the podcast. Thank <laughs> right. you. Yeah. That was the biggest <laughs> question. Um, well, now we're going to kind of start shifting gears and getting to more difficult questions. Sure. Um, and your vulnerability is appreciated, but also, if, if you can't answer this question, that's fine. Let mm-hmm. me know. Are there certain types of offenses that most police will turn a blind eye to?
2: So I think I kind of touched on, well, I definitely touched on discretion. Um, and I, I kind of touched on everybody has their own thresholds. So there might be types of uh, cases, like I'll, I'll admit for myself, I'm not a big traffic guy. I don't enjoy doing traffic. I'll, I'll do it when I need to, or if I feel like somebody's driving is just out of control or something just so obvious and blatant that, I, you know, it, I would look dumb in front of all the rest of the public if I didn't address it. But traffic wasn't one of my favorite things to do. I would look more into the patrol aspects i like i like working felonies burglaries you know those that's what Mm -hmm. led me to being a detective um but as far as turning a blind eye no i mean i wouldn't blatantly ignore something that you know was bad Mm -hmm. um but you know you have some of your ordinances or lesser violations um you know somebody is jaywalking you know i'm not even sure what we call that in oregon but everybody understands jaywalking i'm not gonna go stop somebody for jaywalking now if that person's jaywalking leaving an area where a bank just got robbed uh, probably can, might use that <laughs> right. for a, a way to talk to this person if they match. maybe there's more to it maybe they have a description that matches it or something um but yeah as, as far as any kind of a, a crime that would be a classic crime that you could think of you know I, I would hope not i would hope no one would ever turn a blind eye to it um, and then there's a lot of times where you know i talk about discretion but there's a lot of times there's crimes where maybe i don't necessarily think they're as serious as a victim would Mm. but it's kind of their call you know um, a teenager who shoplifts from a store maybe i might try to say like hey can i just pay for this for this kid so he doesn't get a a criminal charge and maybe the victim says no i want him charged it's their right yeah yeah and and you see that a lot with uh you know the masks uh, Mm. people going Mm, into mm, a store example I'm sure they go into a store a walmart or or a school event like a football game and the people who run that property control that property say you have to wear a mask mm-hmm. and the person says no i'm not going to well then you need to leave no i'm not going to okay we'll call the police and so the police come and they address the issue and they take the person out of their area hopefully they talk them out of you know leaving but sometimes they can't and then all of a sudden it becomes the cops arrested this guy for wearing a mask well no
1: or for not wearing a mask or for yeah for not
2: wearing a mask i'm yeah. sorry for not wearing a mask well, no, they didn't. They, they addressed a trespassing issue. Got it. And so, yeah, I didn't. But that narrative is twisted. It's twisted. Yeah, right. So I didn't come in there to deal with it. You know, the, the officer wasn't shopping next to you and say, hey, you need to put your mask on. Got it. Mm-hmm. They That's were called inordinate. to a, a situation where the person who owns the property wants another person to leave. It, it doesn't really matter what the reason is. I don't have a right to tell you no. You have to let somebody stay on your property as a police officer. So got it. You're, oh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah.
0: And and what uh, we we do get lost in what is really the offense, right, right, right.
1: There's a lot of it. Sounds like constant discretion filtering. Like you're just vetting everything through uh, the lens of discretion yeah. and matching it up against what is an offense and what's not, and deciding on how to act. Uh, Is that exhausting? I know that's not one of our written questions. Mm -hmm. I'm just uh, as I'm listening to you talk and discretion. Yeah, yeah. Is that an exhausting process? And do you switch off when you go home?
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, I'll address those separate parts. Yeah, it can be exhausting. Um, You know, you get kind of used to it after a while, like you would anything else. You know, Uh, um, and I think it depends on your day. You know, Mm -hmm. most most people, most calls of service um, and most problems, everybody's usually actually pretty compliant. And that's what you're ultimately looking for is compliance. Um, you know, if you can solve an issue without having to arrest somebody, without having to write a citation, um, not only is that good for everybody, it's good for the community, um, but it's also good that you don't have to do a whole bunch of paperwork. You don't sure. have to drive all over town. You know, it takes a, for us in Central Point, driving some of the jails is not always that fun. You're driving into Medford through downtown Medford. It's, it's so sometimes it's you hope that it's just going to be easier to mediate a problem. Mm-hmm. Rather than have to take law enforcement action, and that's the majority of your your, of your time as a police officer is mediation and you know, just kind of plain referee. Um, but it it can be it can be exhausting. Um, oftentimes, you know, just the ability to have discretion actually kind of in a way almost makes the job easier, um, at least for me mentally, because I know that I do have options beyond just enforcing and i if i had to enforce everything all the time you'd be running around like crazy yeah and 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 i would i wouldn't feel good about myself Hmm. you know because again i go back to that kid who maybe shoplift maybe there's a better way to reach him maybe there's a better way to get compliance than to to cite him Hmm. you know Um, to give him a a stereotype a stigma sure you know right away so and maybe there's not maybe that that's the only way i mean maybe if i stop somebody for speeding you know, maybe there's a better way to reach them and gain compliance for later on than giving a citation. So yeah. that makes it easier for me to do my job on a mental level, I think is having that discretion. Um, and then as far as turning it off when you go home, I mean that, that you got to learn how to do that. And it can be tough when you're new. Um, not so much that you're going to take any enforcement action when you're off duty necessarily, but, um, that kind of hyper, uh, you know, always watching out, always uh-huh. looking around. That can be tough to turn off. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can imagine. Yeah, that is. and I mean, you've, you've got to start to get good at that. Uh, one of my coworkers, when I first started, he would always tell me, like, make sure you keep your friends that are outside of law enforcement around too because it can help kind of bring you back down a Wisdom. little bit. Yeah, 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 and that's definitely, definitely true. That would be a huge piece of advice that I will give and have given to new officers when they come in. Wow, well, uh, thanks
0: for answering. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. These questions are exciting to me because these are the the conversations I think that are the, that are healthy and needed in our culture, in our society. Sure. Um, and and it feels to me, and 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 you can speak to this or not. It feels to me like there are definitely more, the conversations around law enforcement are more polarized than I can remember in my lifetime, and that's because of social media, um, access to twenty four seven media, those sort of things. Yeah. Um, and and so we find ourselves in a time where there are some, you know, passionate groups on one side or the other of support or not, or, you know, against being against law enforcement. And so when you find these types of realities, I mean, we may not like it, but it's real Mm -hmm. and they exist. Um, what are some of the things that you guys as a department have done, are doing, have talked about doing to like build bridges between opposing groups in our community Have you you guys ever even addressed that or had to, to this point?
2: Well, I I would think that, you know, just the obvious is starting off with this podcast is is Mm -hmm. a a start to that or or a a way of doing that. Um, you know, that actually, the the whole idea for this kind of began from that idea of reaching out to the public in a new way, in a more modern way. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, we've done all kinds of different events, whether it be our open houses that we do annually, um, in September and we'll invite, Anybody from the public that wants to come in and check it out. Did people take advantage um, of that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been it's been very popular. Um, obviously COVID kind of slowed right, things down. We haven't done it in a couple of years, but um, years prior, it, it's actually a pretty neat event. Um, You know we do a lot of things like when we do the fourth of july parade in central point that's a big part of our community or the christmas parade in central points big part of the community and our officers will go out there and we won't just work the parade for you know security detail but we'll also go interact with people and um the fourth of july one's great because over at FAF park they do like a big gathering and we'll Mm -hmm. go over there and play with the kids and you know there's all kinds of games and stuff and so you do a lot of that you know the Coffee with a cop, of course, has been a thing that we've done in the past. Is that like at schools or? Um, we have never done. I don't believe we've done that at school. We've done it with different businesses. We've done um, not so much it, the same idea of coffee as a cop, but not coffee, but like pizza. Oh, Donuts, uh, that's what the heck. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> like, Bobbio's Pizza allowed us to do things like oh, cool. that. Um, oh, I can see that. Yeah, they're you know, great. Yeah, Rick is awesome over there. Yeah. I'll put in a little plug in for him, But <laughs> Well, they are. I mean, yeah. like you're talking about community, and they, yeah. they do a great job of they, that as well. Fantastic. I know that I've done it with Starbucks. I used to work for Starbucks, and so I've, I've done that with Starbucks in Medford. Fortunately, we don't have one in Central Point mm. yet. I'm a little upset about that. But. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but uh you know so those kinds of events yeah um the chief has always had that that idea that um we're open we're open to talk to anybody if they want to talk to us we just want we just ask that civil right um and uh you know so we've done open you know not not open houses but um town hall meetings Mm. Oh, Um, there was one point where there was a very big problem house in a, a particular neighborhood and we were always having to address it. We're always getting complaints on it. So the chief actually opened up its own separate town hall where she would meet with people in our training room from that vicinity of this house that were interested in coming in and talking about ideas, brainstorming ideas, how to deal with it. Um, and it was very productive and popular. And So we've we've done, I'm, I'm sure I'm missing a ton of
0: different examples. Oh, that's examples. okay. Those it's, are great examples. Yeah. And it's just the idea. Cause I, I believe the best way to, to address those kind of things is hands on like that. Mm. I mean, it's you don't need another story. You need to see it, right? right. And to see that presence and, and to see those things is powerful.
1: Yeah. So yeah. Well, speaking of stories that are out there, um, how do you personally and your department? How do you guys respond to these kind of developing narratives as they pop up in the news? You know, when a police officer appears to be abusing his or her own power. Yeah. We've had several occurrences, some very extreme. Mm-hmm. In the news over the last several years and that's not new i mean it's it's been around since humans have been police officers right it's probably a bit of a human problem Mm -hmm. but how do you guys respond to that because i'm sure you get asked directly yeah and i would ask um as a similar parallel question when these things pop up other than how to respond as a department and as an officer as an individual how do you handle that
2: yeah that's a great question and it's tough to answer it um yeah. You know, your mind kind of goes all over the place. I'm sure. Um, you know, George, the George Floyd case, I mean, is obviously the most obvious recent example
1: that is a very, um, I would say good example, but I, I use the word good meaning that's exactly what I'm talking about. Right. Right. Yeah.
2: And so, you know, you watch something like that and and, and I never want to have a knee jerk reaction. I've learned a long time ago, not to, mm-hmm. um, especially in police work, uh, armchair quarterbacking in any situation is inevitably going to make you look like a fool. Mm-hmm. Um, in a knee jerk, you know, scenario. So when I first saw that, I was immediately disgusted. As somebody who, who is an instructor and in, um, like taser, so use of force and stuff, and um, been an officer for a while now, uh, nowhere I could, I, I can't imagine anywhere here locally where we'd ever put our knee on the back of somebody's neck, even if it were just below the neck and maybe not really directly on the neck. Just the visibility of that alone would look terrible. Um, but but, yeah, I mean, you don't restrict someone's airway in any way. You don't keep them face down like that. So the, the whole situation immediately didn't sit well. Mm. Um, so I had a very visceral, immediate reaction to that of anger. Um, I, and I would say that no one hates a bad cop more than a cop. Mm. Um, Interesting. That's yeah. a powerful statement. Well, it, so it makes us all look bad. I mean, sure. we, we know that you know if a, a doctor does something bad or a teacher does something bad, that that runs that risk, that potential of making everybody around them look bad. But with cops, it's 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 almost more than any other job mm. I can think of, and and I think the reason for that is is the public puts such a tremendous amount of trust in us mm. that if we're not living up to that, it, it it's it's almost more of a. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? More of a, of a, a slap betrayal. in the face, a betrayal. Right. Yeah, than other other professions. Um, so when somebody in Minneapolis does something terrible, we're going to feel that here in Southern Oregon, and so we want to hold each of each other accountable. And there was a failure there, without a doubt in my mind, that there were several officers there that not weren't stepping up. Um, and doing the right thing. And so it makes us all look bad. And if, whether that's fair or not is irrelevant because it's the truth and we all have to deal with it now. And I, I say, we as police officers. officers yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, that was a good example of where I just immediately felt disgusted and, um, and I, you know, I didn't have a defense for it. I, I couldn't think of anything in my mind, mm-hmm. even, even when I was just watching the start of that video, cause a lot of times I'll say, well, what happened before that? you know, what, you know, see a video. What happened leading up to that video that led to this ugly part we caught? Because use of force is never good-looking. It's always ugly. Right. Um, but there was nothing. I could not think of anything that would lead to that as an excuse. You know, Rodney King was another one. There's nothing he could have done that led to that level of aggression. Right. Um, so, you know, some, sometimes those situations, you can react pretty quickly. And, um, and I haven't changed my mind on that one. You know, I don't know really anybody that has. Um, but there's other situations, um, where you watch something and it does, it looks, it looks gross. It looks bad. It's use of force, but you kind of know, you kind of wait to see what the other facts Mm. are. And, um, you know, another thing that people don't always realize is when you watch videos, you're watching a two dimensional image. You're not feeling it. You're not hearing it. There's, there's just a difference when you're really in the situation. Um, you know, what looks far away in a two dimensional video might be really close and and vice versa. Hmm. So watching a video in and of itself is not enough. Um and then of course what led up to that, you know, the the idea that they they came at me and it looked like a firearm, so we shot them. Well and 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 then as a somebody in the public used to watch the videos like, well that's a that's a uh The cell phone, how did you mistake that from a gun? Yeah, on a video that has more clarity, it has light, different different angle, different perspective, it doesn't look like a gun. But I know for personal experience that when you're in a situation, it's a lot harder to see it, especially when you have adrenaline and stuff going. So Mm -hmm. I like to wait to hear what the facts are, and I think that's good for anybody. But as somebody who's been in situations where I have had weapons pulled on me or things that I thought might have been weapons initially that, that God ended up not being, I know to kind of wait for that, but the, the George Floyd case, I mean, that was, again, there's, there's no excuse for that level of incompetency and, and aggression, um, and I still, still to this day, I'm glad I feel the same way as I did the moment I watched that video. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I really believe that, that whole idea that nobody, nobody hates a bad cop more than a cop, and who arrests the bad cops? Other cops, right? You know, so what a horrible situation. A horrible situation. Well. Yeah. But again, I'm not going to feel all that bad. Sure. I, uh, you, you did something like that. Not only did you do something bad, but you made us all look bad. And uh, send me after him. I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair <laughs> you know? enough.
1: Fair enough.
0: I, I think these are. I, First of all, I just appreciate the willingness to have this conversation sure. and and I I I'm kind of just like in shock that I get to have this conversation with a real officer because that's kind of the whole thing that drew us me and Tom into a, mm-hmm. a desire to do this was there's there's these polarized narratives and there's probably a little bit of truth to both of them but the real the reality lies in the middle, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and sure. we don't know what that is. We don't do those and so these are really Im- important questions. So very similar to that one would be the movement that had had, gained, had started a little before all of the current news stories we just mentioned, but it really picked up steam It's right. the whole defund the police movement. Yeah, you know, and and um, I I the that those words alone are are kind of inflammatory mm-hmm. and, and, and like set you into a camp immediately. Um, but just like, how, what is your response to that? Like when you really. Can get past the uh, the emotional response of that because we all have an emotional reaction to those are pretty strong words. Defund Mm -hmm. the police. Mm -hmm. Like what? What's your what's your thought on that? Like Mm -hmm. the merits, um, the deficiencies of that statement. What are they actually trying to prove? Like, ask a police officer. how, How do you react to to that statement?
2: Right. So I feel like the the defund the police uh, movement it became a buzzword and and I have a problem with that because I I'm somebody who truly believes that words have meaning they have a definition for a reason and uh, you know defund it, yes. literally <laughs> means yes pre- prevent from continuing to receive funds so for me there's no other way to take that you want to prevent officers from receiving funds police departments from receiving funds that's a problem mm. because I believe we do need police officers and um, so I. I the movement in and of itself, I don't like. Because what you're I, misusing
1: the words. The already. semantic so that,
2: of it. Yeah, the semantic of it. So I think there's two different camps. I think there are people who want that or at least purport to want that to get themselves political clout or what have you. Um, but then I think there's the people that what they really mean is reform. And I'm okay with reform. Mm. Uh, I have no problem with that. There, yeah. are, there are plenty of things that, I, that officers are being asked to do these days that I don't think we have any business doing. Hmm. Um, You know, and an easy example that's maybe not controversial, but it was kind of where I can use to really exemplify my point is I remember working patrol and it's the middle of the night and some gal catches a dog in her yard and she wants something done with this dog. So I'm trying to get a hold of animal control. Animal control doesn't work at nights because they work banker hours, which makes a lot of sense because that's when dogs are running around is during only banking hours. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I mean, dogs Sorry. are financial beings. Right. <laughs> right. No, but they have their own funding issues and stuff too. I, I tease a little bit, but but yeah. So it became like this issue where she wants something done with this dog. I don't have kennels. I don't have a vehicle even capable of transporting a dog safely. Um, I don't have equipment for that. You know, I. I don't dog food. Why has this become a police officer hmm. issue? And um, and that's fine. I, I get that it shouldn't be hers either. And it was really frustrating because I didn't really have a good answer for what we do with this dog right now on a weekend night. And um, you know that, that's just one little example. But then you you have these mental health crises. I'm not a trained per se and, and how to best deal. I'm not a and mental health expert. De-escalation method. Yeah, I got some de-escalation I mean, but, and I've gone through crisis intervention training and stuff and I can talk to people. Um, but you wouldn't be able I'm to an diagnose and treat right, somebody who's got right. mental health issues. And so, yeah, and then, and then it's like, okay, so we, maybe we do get, gain compliance and we do stop them from doing whatever bad behavior maybe they were doing, but they're, they didn't really necessarily commit a crime or at least I don't feel like jail is an appropriate place to per- put this person. It's only gonna make things worse. Um, You know, there's only so many places we can take somebody who's having a mental health crisis, and and in southern Oregon, this part of Oregon, Jackson County, there's one place, and that's that's you know Rogue. Um, And if their rooms are full, and which they always are, which they often are, (laughs) what do I do with them? Right. Hmm. And so um, there there's almost no help and facilities for this. And as a police officer, my job is to enforce the law. I mean, a, a peace officer, law enforcement officer, but I don't. My job isn't to facilitate that kind of i don't have the ability the the, the, the funding, training the training then, yeah. yeah so that's another example like this somehow has become a police officer's issue with hmm. and, and i'm okay with the initial getting somebody into compliance but then where do we go after that hmm. yeah for sure. um you know it's not my job to be a counselor you know it's not hmm. my job to do um a lot of the things that we're asked to do yeah and i'm okay with reform because that might get
1: me able to be Free in place to do your just, actual job? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also connect those people with the resources that they need. And yeah, absolutely. Right. Um,
2: so I would be okay to that. I'm open to that. I, I like that idea. And, you know, uh, things change. I mean, tactics change. The, the way we do things now are, are vastly different than what we did even 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, so, you know, theories change on how to best police. Community policing is relatively it's, – it's not super new, but it's it, – it, but even that's evolving. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm okay with those ideas and those conversations. And there's critiques. I'd be open to critiques all day long. And then the, also the opportunity to maybe provide our perspective on it.
0: Which, exactly. And I think that's a two way conversation. Right. And right. I think
2: that's built into the idea of reform. Again, totally if it's okay real with reform, it. I think right. so. And, and and the way we police in Central Point is going to be way different than how they need to police in Chicago, obviously. That's fair. Yeah. So those kind of conversations are totally fine. Yeah. Well, um, I
0: think that's a great. Right. I really liked what you said. And I, that's been my rub with it. The whole time is the semantic of it. Like, like, what does it mean because like you said there is a group that it means no no police at all mm-hmm. well i can't get behind that right well we've seen what's know? happened that right. recently <laughs> with this
2: huge rise in crime exactly crime yeah mm-hmm. but yeah.
0: reform well yeah there's some things that could in any industry that sure is reform yeah and so. anybody
2: that's ever against reform in in their particular line of work or or even hobbies. I mean, that's ridiculous. Everybody, you should always be open to reform, whether you're a police officer or you're in the medical field or a train conductor. I don't care. There should be some. That's how we get better at it. Right. Those. Yeah. Right. So I'm okay with reform. I'm okay Great. with having those conversations. But defunding, I think, is irresponsible. And and I feel like the politicians that push that know that that's irresponsible, and they're looking for yeah. an opportunity to to get themselves clout. And I don't like that at the expense of the safety of the of citizens. That doesn't sit well with me.
1: Hmm. Great answer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, this kind of leads me to this next question actually, as we're talking about (laughs) clout and and people making decisions that are kind of imposed upon you. And this one, there are a few of them that happened in our local area, decisions that were made through uh, legislation Mm -hmm. that they were kind of pitched as reform. Right. Uh, Reform around how drugs are handled and how they've been in a lot of ways decriminalized in Jackson County, as an example. So, you know, cannabis being legal for recreational and medical—that mm-hmm. was a big thing a few years ago. And then recently, um, the decriminalization of a certain measure of what would be considered hard drugs on your person now, right? Where the result is that if you find somebody with these drugs, they need to be then taken to a facility instead of arrested or cited. How have these reforms? through legislation uh, made your job as a Central Point Police Department more challenging. What, what has that done to you as a PD? Yeah, uh,
2: it's a great question. So Measure 110 is the most recent. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: your cannabis has been uh,
2: legalized for quite some time now and and we've all kind of adjusted to that. There's, there's been, you don't have any numbers in front of me. Anecdotally, I think that there is actually more violent crime anyway associated with it now. We have a lot of cartel moving into this area. Yeah, right. um, the, the grow sites were, were, seems like we for a while there we were constantly responding out there for the madu teams for very variety of shootings and assaults what's Madu? oh i'm sorry MADU's the major assault death investigation unit it's made up of investigators from all our local agencies so for pd jackson county sheriffs osp us ashland um i think, i don't I think, I'm, I think that's all of us that have investigators okay. that are part of that but so we all kind of donate our detectives times to go investigate major assaults or deaths uh homicides mm-hmm. that sort of thing and so yeah i felt like we were responding to to things off these gross sites all the time I mean, mm. just n- nonstop.
0: Illegal grow sites or, or, or
2: illegal both? Illegal and illegal, okay. yeah. And oftentimes, the legal grow sites, once you get in there, you right. find out they weren't so legal. They were supposed to be legal, <laughs> right. but they're not quite. Yeah. Right. And then so that, you know, I, I don't want to get too, like, into opinion as well, whether or not drugs should be legalized or not. Um, But, you know, not uh, the fact is not all states are. Most are. And federally, it's all still illegal. And so – and Oregon's a great climate for growing marijuana. Sure. So you grow a lot of marijuana, you're going to grow more than you could use here. Yes. And the market's kind of and already you tapped out. <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed to ship right. it. And then it does get shipped. You know, So a lot of those, uh, there's a lot of still crime associated with that. And whether or not that would be fixed by a federal legalization, I don't know. It maybe It needs to be seen. Yeah. Who knows? yeah I, 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 there's people way above my pay grade right. that are making those decisions, including voters. And um, so the the, the hard thing about Measure 110 specifically though, is that it was voted on and voters said they wanted it. Mm-hmm. What, I, what I didn't like was a disingenuous way that it was delivered. Mm. Um, there was no infrastructure whatsoever to provide the resources for
0: rehabilitation. So a great idea. I mean, I mean, people yeah. can pitch it as a great right. idea, right? but they
2: had no plan to execute. No plan to, plan to execute. Wow. Yeah. So, so what we're running into now is, is we have absolutely no teeth to get people into rehab. And you're going to ask people to make the rational decision to get themselves into rehab who are under the influence of heroin and methamphetamines, which prevent you from making rational decisions. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, now, was the, the system we had before perfect? No, not by any means. Um, very far from perfect was it better i maybe at least at least we could get people we could kind of get them out of the drug scene for even maybe a couple nights and sometimes that's the help they need to get themselves onto a track that's better but but by offering them a promise to show up for rehab for a facility that doesn't exist mm-hmm. in lieu of a hundred dollar citation right th- there's all kinds of logical holes in that Number one, again, like I said, you're asking them to make a rational decision when they have already shown that they're incapable of doing so. Even if they wanted to, they couldn't when they're under the influence. But you're also saying, well, if you don't show up for rehab, even though we don't have a facility for you to go to, you are going to get a $100 fine for somebody who probably doesn't even have $100 to fine. Right. And then even if you were going to try to find them good luck finding them again. Right. necessary <laughs> to collect on that. And then if they, if you try to collect on it and they, they don't have the money, then then what? I mean, mm-hmm. you're right back at square zero. Are you going to, well, promise us again or you owe us 200. Where does it end? Right. So, um, measure 10, 110, I think was well-intentioned. I think the people that voted on it liked the idea of it. And I do too. I love the sound of getting people into rehab. I have, I've had friends and family members who have gone through addiction and are still going through addiction. That I would love to see get rehabilitated I'd rather see them do that than go to jail. Sure. But I'd rather see them go to jail than die on the streets.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I'm all for getting Narcan out to people. I think that's great. It saved lives. I We have officers who've saved many lives with Narcan and I, I like, I like that idea. Um, but I, I don't think it was implemented well. I don't think it was thought through. And again, I think it was a, 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 a political move to to just appease people without really planning it
0: mm. yeah and it's tough and then it then it's left to you and your peers right to to deal with
2: right and then I, I don't think it's any mystery right now look around southern Oregon uh, Jackson County or you're, you're gonna see um you know tense city is set up everywhere starting to look like Portland or San Francisco and uh and, that, and that's not a judgment on those people but I know anecdotally that we have a lot that are coming into this area that are from out of state and oh, the reason they tell us they're here is because you guys legalize drugs interesting what are you going to do to me you know if i if i go any other place including california including washington i'm going to get in more trouble <laughs> you guys aren't going to do anything to me here and so why would i not be here So why would i not be here huh. and this wow. close to the california border right off of i-5 that's a problem um so y- this is going to be a challenge that i think we're going to see um exasperated in the future as we get more and more people coming over here that don't necessarily want to be here for great reasons. Right. And um and the the public's going to we're going to have to look at it again. And and I hope that uh, maybe
1: we can get some clarity. Some clarity. In, right. Yeah. Yeah. Man, wow. That's a, actually a very powerful answer because you know, driving around uh, as a layperson, not a police officer, you look around and you want to make You want to make sure you're not being judgmental about the ten cities that pop up. You want to to make sure you're not throwing stereotypes on people you've never met. But also, I'm not the one who's interfacing with them all the time as they're coming into town. So that's very interesting to hear that.
2: You know, I did uh, did landscape maintenance for a short period of time before I was a police officer um, and for different companies around here for big facilities and stuff. And it was it was bad finding needles. You'd find used needles and thank God I never got poked. But I know plenty of people did. I know cops have been poked. And again, that's not to judge anybody, but the fact is that those are out there. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. and now people, you can go on Facebook, you can go on, there's a whole bunch of different places that show where people are finding needles in parks so yep. kids play at. Yep. Yep. And um, you know, you want to be sympathetic and you want to be empathetic, but you also have to be realistic mm-hmm. that there is a problem there. And there are people that needed help. I would love to help the people of Medford, even those that were living in tents, even those that don't have homes um, that are struggling with addiction. I want to help them, but I don't want to have everybody's problems come here. We don't have the money. We don't have the, the time, the resources for that. And, um, you know, uh, officers are getting just inundated with constant problems that are associated with this new influx of population. And, um, yeah, that's, that's tough. That's not fair for the citizens of, of, of this area to – to be footing the bill now for this increased crime that we didn't ask for that's come from out of state yeah yeah interesting so there's all kinds of other issues um again well intentioned but not well implemented mm.
1: yeah. is that a story that's not new for the pd that uh, legislation will come down the pike that you guys will have to implement that might have been well intended mm-hmm. um but has made your job more difficult and if it is an old story for you guys
0: made by people with, without boots on the ground right
1: uh, h- how do you prevent yourselves from being you know jaded cynical um, yeah uh, contradictory toward the people making these decisions for you sure uh, it's not
2: new i don't think that we've ever quite experienced at least in my time here at this level measure 110 has been very difficult um, and i don't even deal with drug I'm not I'm not into narcotics I do general investigations um but uh but even in it, it's add to you know I have lesser resources because now I have more officers that are out dealing with those problems rather than able to assist me so it affects it's kind of a domino a trickle down effect, effect yeah. right um but yeah it's it's not new I mean we we definitely are in a state that isn't always the most law enforcement friendly state and I'm not saying that's good or bad just that's the that's the truth. Um, so there's been a lot of legislation over the years that hasn't always been listened to when it comes to, like, the association, the Oregon Association of Chiefs of Police, the Oregon Fraternal Police. You know, the, we will talk to legislators, through our representatives, and say, hey, we don't like this, we don't like that. Here's what we think should be done. Sometimes they listen, sometimes they don't. Um, it does seem to be increasing where they're not. Um, in Measure 110, I think, is a perfect prime example. No, you, I don't think you would have found one person associated with law enforcement in any way or the justice system in any way um that was a fan of the way it was done and presented prior to being voted on um and so how do you how do you not get jaded i I mean sometimes you don't sometimes you just some guys are jaded Mm -hmm. um it has made the job incredibly difficult um it's given a lot more power to uh you know um people that want to take advantage of the system and and uh yeah what do you what do you tell a guy who worked really hard to get some put away that was doing bad things but now get off on a technicality yeah that's tough that's tough to sell to an officer i can only imagine yeah yeah so it it, i don't know it it's tough to not get jaded sometimes you know one of the things that the chief told me when i became a detective because i deal with a lot of crimes involving children and talk Mm. about jaded. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't even imagine. There's times where you have a a case where you know something happened, but it's just a matter of can I prove it. Right. And um, you just gotta have to remember that sometimes just listening to people's issues and helping them with it is validation for them. And sometimes that's got to be enough for you. Um, You've got to remember that at least you're trying to help. Mm. Uh, Maybe other people aren't. And so you got to have to find those other small victories. Maybe it's not. That somebody got prison time. Maybe it's just that this victim was listened to, and at least somebody was in their corner. Hmm. Um,
0: A temporary safe space, if nothing else. Right, right. right. So you know, maybe you know,
2: you have to get creative in some of the ways that you tackle issues, and maybe that's good. Maybe that's a good thing in the long run. Maybe that comes up with reform ideas that are that are new that we haven't thought of. because you're forced to, for survivability reasons, right. to come up with something <laughs> new, you know. So I, I don't know. It, it, it's tough, but uh, I, I think that you know, if an officer can at least feel like they're trying to make a difference, and, and again, it's kind of cliche, but if you can make a difference in one person's life, then maybe it was all worth
0: it. I think so. Yeah. Cliche, yeah. Or not, I, I teachers, uh, cliche or not, I know the teachers, not, feel true. that way. Yeah,
2: you can sure. make the, a difference in one student's life, then maybe mm-hmm. it was all worth it. So I think we kind of operate in that same mm-hmm. that same space in order to to keep ourselves sane and, and going right. forward. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Man, yeah, that's awesome. I appreciate that. Well, it's interesting that even with all the, uh, the stuff that's come down the road for you guys over the course of, I'd say, the last 10 years making it even harder for you to do your job because there's more you have to use. as That lens of discretion is, is now really complicated, and it's certainly around drug-related issues. As a police department, Central Point has done things like start this podcast, like bring in common ground conversations for training for your entire right. staff, um, stuff that would be considered, I don't know, I guess for lack of a better term, progressive um, I hate that word too because I think it's abused. It's loaded, yeah. yeah. Loaded this time, <laughs> exactly. But I, mean, but I know what you mean in the best yeah. sense. Like you guys right. are, are constantly working toward reforming um, yourselves and and your systems as a department, mm-hmm. and you're and doing your
0: job and yes. doing it
1: well right. and being willing to improve it. Yeah. yeah. And so you know, thank you for taking the time yeah. to answer these questions. These yeah, are it's hard.
2: Not, it's not all doom and gloom. I mean, there's a lot of positivity, especially in Central Point. I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, just the other day, I think uh, Dairy Queen brought in some ice cream cakes for us, just just because, you know. That's, <laughs> so that's
0: kind of you know, so there is appreciation. Yeah, there's there. appreciation. That's so great. In,
2: in lieu of like some of the the negativity, I personally believe that there's been more support because of that. Um, mm. you Interesting. Know, uh, you, when you hear that narrative, yeah, I mean, you and you guys were exposed a little bit to sometimes the media twisting things, right? <laughs> um, sure. Uh, <laughs> I won't get into that, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, so. I think people are kind of waking up and there's so much alternative media out there, including podcasts Mm -hmm. where people can get information where it's actually kind of had an opposite effect. The defund movement actually ended up, I mean, even Joe Biden the other night during his State of the Union talked about, no, we need to fund the police. And yeah, we do. We need to get better training. We need better equipment. That costs money. Yeah. You know, Um, de-escalation training costs money. If you want me to be better at de-escalation we're going to need some funding. We have to invest in that. Right. You're going to have to invest in that. And so there's smart ways to invest that. And that's one thing that I think Central Point specifically does well um, as a city as a whole, not just the police department, is, is using the funds that they have in an intelligent and responsible way wow. mm-hmm. without overspending. Um, so that, that, and that's on a police, but that's on an agency to make sure they're, you gotta, you gotta work within your means. Sure. But if you're defunded, you don't have an option. So there are <laughs> no means, there are right. no means. <laughs> the means <Yeah>. are gone. <laughs> but I think that, yeah, in most places, um, I, I think a lot of people were waking up and realizing that, you know, we need the police, but you know, reform is fine defunding bad.
0: <laughs>
2: and there's been a lot more support, I think, than people realize out there. Good. You that's know, awesome. Good.
0: Yeah. but. Uh, yeah. Just thank you for, for being willing to have these discussions that, I and mean, that's, that's why this, this format is powerful, Sure, you know, to, to, to say what is, what is it really like? And and it is, it's really important for people to hear these, these are, I mean, you have your own moral conflicts with things. It's not, I mean, you're, yeah. a police officer is a human mm-hmm. just like the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And for right. us to remember that and to keep that going. Um, and it, for me personally, it makes me even appreciate the job that you and your your peers do even well, more thank you. Thank the things that you have to do. So thanks for being willing to talk with uh, us. Well, thank you.
1: That. Yeah. I uh, appreciate that. And uh, also just so everyone's who, if you're listening to this, understand this conversation is not with lawyers in the room, with the captain in the room, telling us what to say. This right. is the three of us having a conversation. This is real. And you know, I can't thank you enough detective Abbott for again, you know, being vulnerable, doing research, spending time because I think the community benefits. Well, thank you. I appreciate that.
2: Yeah. Uh, thank you for taking the time to, actually ask the questions and and be receptive into listening so
1: you got it have a good one all
0: right you too thank you